Oh yeah. But we're bringing our own boats. We're bringing our own river gear, all the stoves and all the units and all that. It's mostly food and beer, <laughs> but I, it, it is shocking the amount of like cases of beer piled up at Lee's Ferry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. People bring the most hilarious things out the trip. We bring like bags of costumes and, you know, just totally unnecessary things. That was Kelly New with a glimpse into a few of the luxury items on a Grand Canyon River Doy trip, plus how you can build a drift boat without any tools, today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thank you for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Uh, if you get a chance, check out our Ask a Pro segment where you can ask a question, get feedback on an upcoming episode. Just head over to wetflyswing.com slash askapro to submit your question right now. I'll read these questions on upcoming episodes and, uh, and give you a shout out if you'd like. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsors. Angler's Coffee roasts a full range of coffees with one goal in mind, delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. And I'm one of those anglers who's been loving Angler's Coffee. Great tasting, robust, and good to go. That's anglerscoffee.com. In today's world of mass-produced products, Stonefly Nets has reclaimed the tradition of handcrafted care with their custom wood landing nets. Please head over to wetflyswing.com stonefly to get your custom net today. That's wetflyswing.com slash stonefly to get started right now. Kelly New is here to share her story of guiding on the Colorado River and her fascination with uh, river dories. Kelly describes how to put together your own river trip and what the first few days of a Grand Canyon droid trip looks like. Plus, Kelly has a 2.5 minute YouTube video that covers building a full drift boat online. This story and the people of the Grand Canyon. So, here is Kelly New. How's it going, Kelly? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to uh, dig into some more on the Grand Canyon and Dories. We've had a few episodes that we've talked uh, in the past. Uh, Pete McBride. Oh, we, we've done a number of uh, drift boat episodes. We had a whole season, so this is kind of continuing our drift boat season. I wanted to talk. You've got a. You've got a couple of things. You build dories. You've been on the Grand Canyon, and uh, and I think you had some sort of a fast, like a record of dory building. Maybe we could talk about that. But take us back first. How did you get into dories and the Grand Canyon? Well, I got started um, just as a river client. I went on a trip as a passenger, paying passenger, and just for vacation, and ended up kind of long story short. Um, coming back to row some trips as a baggage boatman and then eventually um, ended up in dories, mostly in Idaho. And then, you know, once you kind of train a bit in Idaho, then you end up um, usually in the Grand Canyon if you can, if the opportunity happens. So um, yeah, it was just a, kind of, it wasn't planned. That's for sure. I was sort of doing my career and, uh, but just loved the river and loved all the people of the river, especially, and just ended up doing it so yeah it's it's a pretty cool group of people i mean i mean the dories are neat boats but just you know the river people as you know in general are pretty special yeah it is definitely it's a cool it's a unique segment after doing some of the podcasts we've had here it's just i just keep coming back to it i always joke about it but those videos and some of them you have some of these videos on going through lava and all the big rapids in, in a drift boat essentially 
So uh, we're going to talk about some of those stories. I want to dig into that. I'm curious on... Take start us with this uh, boat bill, right? You had some. I heard, this is where I first heard about you. I was doing an episode, and somebody mentioned um, uh, you and the fact that you built this dory in like a few like days or hours. What, what was that story about? Oh man, I don't even know. Uh, okay, I have. Yeah, so I, I did this CNC dory kit, you know, so all the parts are already cut out. So yeah, in theory, I mean, it takes you know a few days to put the thing together, but um, yeah, I don't know. It might have been just the YouTube. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, you yeah. got a couple fast. Yeah, the video makes it look really fast. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it is <laughs> yeah. cool when you look at that video because you've got one of them has, you're literally, you've got like the bottom and then you strap on the sides with plastic um, zip ties and then everything zip tied is, I didn't even, so what, describe that. What is that? Because I never, I thought building a wooden boat was really hard, but you make it look kind of easy. Yeah, I mean, that was the idea is to make building at least a dory, um, really easy. And so you don't need any tools because I want people to be able to build these boats basically because um, you know, I want to build them for people, but it's so expensive with labor and all that kind of stuff. So the idea was if someone had at least a space to build a boat, you could build it really fast. So it's all parts are pre-cut and then you just get a giant pack of zip ties and you basically cinch that thing together, tie it together with the zip ties. And then you kind of go back and tack all those seams in place with a epoxy adhesive and then you fiberglass the thing and oh kind of, and then you fiberglass you know, it ready to go yes it's fiberglassed so basically once you put the fiberglass now you've got a fully fiberglass 100 percent on the outside of the boat the inside's all wood so that's it there's literally no well you're dr are, are you screwing it together too no no screws um it's just held together with glue wow and then once that's all cured then you, you then you cut out the zip ties um, gotcha. And, uh, but like the, um, you know, it's kind of a boat building term that doesn't necessarily make sense, but it's called stitch and glue. Yeah, stitch and glue. And so you basically, yeah, stitch it together, glue it, take out the stitches, and you got a boat. That's cool. Yeah, we had um, Jason uh, K. June on, uh, was on a while back. He's got those beautiful, like, Montana wooden boats, which uh, essentially I think are just the stitch and glue, right? Or some form of that. I think so. I think that's how he builds them. Yeah, those boats are gorgeous. Yeah, crazy? Oh, they're so cool. Yeah. I mean, everything on those boats is just so detailed and well, you know, just well cared for, well thought out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love those boats. Well, and your thing, I mean, that's what's cool about yours. So you've got this thing, you've got going these packages, and it sounds like you're just making it easy for the, the normal person to get into it. I mean, how easy is it? So you yeah. have these kits coming out. I think maybe they'll be out when this podcast goes live. But talk about that kit and how that works. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you just buy all the plywood boat parts, basically, and um, and the epoxy and all that kind of stuff. And so you just you need a space to build it in. But then all you need for tools really are um, pliers and scissors and maybe a, a rasp or something like that. Um, yeah, you glue the, all the parts together and then you have, you have your hull and then you have all of the, uh, the decking and all the hatches and all that kind of stuff. And then you would be responsible for getting a gunnel on the boat yeah, or the I could help with that right. too. Um, but essentially, it's just to try to make it a little bit cheaper, faster, easier for people to to build boats. Um, if you don't have, you know, my dad was a, a woodworker, so oh, wow. I I had all the tools and it, which was great. But it's like, man, if you know the average river guide, you know, or person just living in the city, they don't have a whole workshop full of tools to, no. to put one of these things together. But um, 
but uh, other people, I think, like, um, I think Brad Dimmick does classes, um, and they build boats kind of more the traditional way, which is really neat. And, um, I think Andy Hutchison has plans. Uh So there's all kinds of ways to, to build these things. This is just sort of the, the, like the Ikea way. Yeah. (laughs) No, this is great. I I love it. I love it. So I've just tried to get my mind around it. So, yeah. So do you actually send these, like the wood or does the person have to go buy the plywood and cut it out? Yeah. They, that's the idea is that it comes, uh, all the parts, all the plywood parts are already cut out and those, you get a, a giant crate full of boat parts. Oh, wow. Yeah, you deliver a boat parts. Yeah, and they're all labeled and it's just like, you know, put A to B, you know, tied wow. together, put C with D and, you know, and then Yahoo, you got a boat. Yeah, so. That's crazy. So in this thing is, I know it's not out yet, but is this yeah. a, how good of a chance is there that this will be out next year? Um, it's, I'm working on it. I've, the idea is that a friend of mine has built one. So I've built a prototype and now the second one's been built. So everything's ready to go. Um, I'm just trying to figure out a way to make it cheaper. Yeah. That is the question, right? Because you've got wood, you're going to be buying the wood and and shipping isn't going to be cheap. You're shipping a boat. That's the the thing that kind of makes it like, oh, darn, that takes a big chunk out of it. So I'm kind of thinking maybe just selling, um, the uh, CNC files to people so they can just find a local CNC shop and just have the boat parts cut out near home. What is CNC? So that's like a, a computerized cutter, like a, oh, like if you, wow. you know what it, like a router is? It's yeah. like a little cutting tool that spins. Gotcha. And so basically you just stick a robot on that router and then you just give these plans to the the robot and it just cuts them out for you that's perfect and so it's cool thing is it's really accurate you know you could build a very you know perfect hole that way um but it's you know it costs some money to you know have a robot cut it out for you instead of doing it yourself so um but the the pro is that you get a boat that's really um accurate basically like you know if you you get it wrong you're like oh my boat just turns to the left all the time yeah or you know so so it's uh if you're not like a boat builder you know there's a lot of little things that you gotta kind of know this kind of cuts cuts out the needing to you know study (laughs) the cheater's way exactly maybe we'll dig into a little more on the boat building um as we go here and so we'll and also on instagram uh, zip dories right you're on instagram yeah, I think that's my Instagram is Zip yeah. Dories. So. Yeah, it is. yeah nice. it's coming out. It, it's it's around. Like if someone wants a kit, I can get it, get them one. But oh, good. Um, okay. Yeah. I think there might be some interest. I mean, I definitely am interested in it. I think it sounds like a really cool idea. And probably maybe even if you don't figure out the shipping, if somebody's out, I, I think you're in the Northwest. You, somebody could yeah. grab a trailer and drive up. Or yeah, grab for a sure. Canoe, right. Yeah. Yeah, they can just come get it. Yeah, that's the cheapest way to do it. And I've heard all sorts of stories. I know with COVID, people were people don't mind driving and getting out, right? So there's probably some people that are going to be listening on even maybe the east side of the country. They're like, you know what? I might as well take a trip across the country, go grab some stuff from... I know. <laughs> Come enjoy the mountains and uh, yeah, hop on a river and get your boat kit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, let's dig into because you've done some Dory stuff and this is my other yeah. thing. I've kind of joked about this in the past, but I I started watching those Dory videos of like the boats flipping and I'm, I love the drift boat, right? But I've never done the Grand King. I've never flipped a drift boat. And, uh, but I love that whole thing. It's like that idea. And, and you've got a few videos on YouTube, right? Of you going through like lob and some of the big Grand Canyon stuff. 
Yeah, I try to I put all my carnage videos on <laughs> online because <laughs> they're the most interesting to watch. You know, the the boring, perfect runs are you know boring. So yeah, I, all the all the like scary videos are usually what people post on okay. those things. So that's right. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, it's kind of fake. Yeah. It's like it's almost like the Facebook yeah. right where it's like don't like think Facebook. You know, people they're posting all their good photos right. You're only seeing right, the good. Right. You're not seeing the bad side of face. You know, of the people. But so you're saying is that those photos are the giant? Because I wonder about that. I've been through some pretty technical stuff, but I always wonder like, well, could I take my, I know I can't take my normal drift boat down, but if I decked it over like a 16 foot boat, Mm -hmm. you know, could I be good taking that down? And and I know there's a big process there, but is that doable? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, they're even taken down. Uh, have you seen, uh, the, the little guy, the Dory Yeah. Yeah. The little, what are they like? 10 footers? Yeah. I think they might even be under 10. Um, And so, yeah, the the smaller the boat, the funner the boat. So they're not specially designed. They're not because I think I know the design. I, we did a little bit of history of the yeah. the Rogue style versus the Mackenzie. And like my boat, mm-hmm. I think is actually a Mackenzie. Does it really matter that much if you have a longer flat section on the bottom or what? Um, for Great Canyon, it really does make a difference to have that flat section um, because the the waves are a little bit bigger. So you kind of want that flat section gives you tracking basically. And allows you to carry the mass of your boat into a trough of a wave and then back out. It's going to keep directional stability. Whereas the more rocker you have, um, you, you think of like an extreme example would be like a teacup or something where you go into the trough of a wave and you just spin around and never make it out of the wave. So that more continuous rocker, I mean, you could definitely take a continuous rocker boat down there, but you're going to get um, surfed around a little bit. But right. as long, I mean, it's still fun. I mean, you still will make it through everything. And that's always my question because I think about this stuff. Like, first of all, there's the whole question of how would somebody do it if they were going to do their own trip? You mm-hmm. know, I know you could pay a dory company to take you down. But the other question is, I mean, have you dumped? Have you been upside down in your drift boat or your dory? Um, not yet. It's just a matter of time. But uh, I've been. Is it? Is everybody? Has everybody flipped one down there? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Everybody's flipped one down there and, uh, I've definitely been dumped out of my boat, but my boat hasn't gone all the way over. Um, but I've been a passenger in a boat where it went over and rafts go over, you know, it's just, it happens. It's kind of, it just happens. And, um, how often when the boats go over, so you, you flip this boat over, how often does that boat just get wrecked and demolished in a rock? Um, it happens a lot. Yeah. The idea is hopefully you can get your boat over. Like in a dory, you can flip it back over pretty quickly, but you want to get it over before you end up, yeah, crashing into shore or going over a rock upside down or something. Right. Usually like the the like once you're upside down, the bow or the stern of the boat is kind of the deepest part. So you might rack your bow over a oh yeah you know a rock, a rock or something like that yeah. and crack Cracking. the gunnel or yeah. But usually you're just you're just injuring the boat you're not fully wrecking it like you know you can you can bust your boat up pretty good and still have a boat that rose okay and you can get you down the river so yeah so essentially you you go down if you flip you and i flipped once like a good flip in a raft where it was like boom i was out of the boat and popped up and it seems like a lot of times you do pop up near the boat so that's the hope is you pop up yeah. near you grab your your straps on the side and then you get, can one person flip that boat over or does it take more than one person? 
Um, you might be able to, you know, if, if you do run your 16 footer deck, um, I would take it out somewhere and see if you can. Um, cause you might be able to flip a 16 foot boat back up. Right. Um, our commercial dories, um, usually it takes at least two people to flip them back over just cause they've, they've got so much gear in them. And it also depends on whether it's been damaged or not. Um, so, um, for sure, very easily, you know, two people can hop up there, flip back over, but, um, it's maybe full of water. Some part of it's flailing and it might not flip over so easily, but with three, like one time we flipped, I believe in Horn Creek and, uh, the, I think it was the bow of the boat kind of got crunched. And so it took three of us to get that boat flipped back over, um, just cause of all the water or something, but yeah, with one person, you might on a 16 foot drift boat be able to just, and, and we run like, uh, <clears throat> have you heard of uh, flip lines? No. So in, so in some of the bigger rapids, we'll run something called a flip line on our boats where they're already basically, I don't know, you've probably seen like a sailboat where a sailboat's capsized and they kind of throw a line over the, over the keel or something. And they lean way back and use that line to, to kind of flip yeah. the boat back over. So that's what we like, let's say we're running lava or something. Yeah. While you're floating down in the middle of the river. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, like some people run a rope that goes under the boat, um, from like basically the Orlock area. Um, and then there's just a rope there. Um, and some people run straps there's various setups, but, um, they're just already there. So if you go over, you can swim right to your boat, grab that little lifeline that's around the, the boat, grab the, the big rope flip line, pull yourself up and very quickly be pulling that boat over. Um, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. The CRC system from Trestle provides secure and convenient storage for your fully rigged fly rods with unsurpassed gear protection. Every CRC system comes with secure mounting clamps, padding in the reel compartment, and their proprietary suspended rod liners. Leave your gear on your vehicle full time or quickly take the CRC system down and telescope it into carry mode in just a few minutes with the fastest and easiest to use mounting system on the market. From the very first time I connected with John, I knew this was going to be a great fit for the podcast. Uh, making it easier and faster to get on the water is a huge part for me, especially in the ever crazy and increasingly busy world. Not only are these rods secure for me and the family, but they are always rigged and ready to go. Equipped with their patented protective no snag reel up design, this is not your average rod carrier. Carrying your rods with reels facing up means more protection for your guides, blink, reel seat, and also allows for a better fit if you have a hatchback. Too much good stuff here for me to cover it all, so I'm going to have to send you over to uh, Trestle and check it out for yourself. You can go there right now. Just uh, take a look at wetflyswing.com slash Trestle, and you can get started right now. That's Trestle, T-R-X-S-T-L-E. That's T-R-X-S-T-L-E. You support this podcast by clicking over through that link to check out what John and the Trestle crew have going right now. Okay, back to the show. And I, I have yeah. seen the flip line thing. That's amazing. I mean, I think this yeah. picture that I'm trying to get, you know, for somebody that hasn't been down there understanding the, the Colorado and the Grand Canyon, what is... 
What's the, I mean, it sounds like there's some, you know, danger, but really, I mean, people aren't necessarily like dying right every year down there. That's pretty, it's not like there's oh, a no. bunch of wood and stuff. If you flip, you're just floating, you get to yeah. shore. Is that typically not yeah. too big of a deal? Yeah, usually, I mean, typically like, well, on a dory trip, at least you flip your boat, everybody piles up on the upside down boat, flips it back over and everybody is pulled back in the boat within minutes, a minute yeah. or two. And you're in the, you're just, and the river is fairly deep. So oh, right. you're just, you're staying with the boat. You're not even going to shore. Um, kind of shore is where some of the injuries can happen. Oh, right. Because it's rocky. You're actually in, you're in a deep canyon, obviously. Yeah. You're in a, <laughs> you're in, a deep channel yeah. and yeah. So you, there's some shallow rapids, but most of it's, and it, yeah, so it's, it's pretty safe. That's the cool thing about a Grand Canyon trip, actually. I mean, you go online and you see all the carnage videos, but you know, Oh, way over 90% of the river's flat water. Oh, it is. And so how many rapids are in there? Um, that's a good question. I don't, I have no idea. There's a lot of rapids, a lot. Um, like big one, like lava. There's only like, like eight, right? Of the 10 of those huge. Yeah. There's only a handful of the big ones that you kind of worry about a little bit. Um, but there's lots of little riffles and I mean, people have swum the entire yeah, canyon, right. you know, like you don't even need a boat, <laughs> you know, you just go down on a Paco pad, you, you know? Wow. So it's, it, the cool thing about it is that it's, um, in the water, the white water and stuff, when you go scout a rapid, it's really big and loud and kind of intimidating looking, but relative to many other rivers, it's actually pretty safe. You know, there's big, deep water. There's giant eddies at the bottom to swim into if you do fall out and people rarely fall out. It's very rare to flip. It's very rare to, to fall out of the boat. And, um, it's, and the rapids themselves are, are not very complex. You're usually, just setting up in the right place and then just pointing your boat in the direction you want to go. It's not like, you know, some of the, you know, fishing rivers, you're like moving around a rock and pivoting over here and ferrying to the other side of the river. And it's not like that. That's like Martin Lynn. I remember he, yeah. his story was like, you know what? He, Martin just pointed it and he just like let the river take him. And it's interesting because I did, I have seen some of those videos, um, of the dories flipping and you always see it. You're like, Oh, I see how they were just turned enough to the left that they weren't straight enough on the wave. Although I looked at some of your videos and it looks like occasionally you're kind of, it knocks you sideways and you still make it. So, I mean, how close is the, is it within inches? Like if you're off your line, a few turn the wrong way, that's what gets you. Or is it something else? Yeah, it can be. It depends on the rapid. Like, you know, if it's a really big, steep wave, like almost like a hole, if yeah, you're just off it, a degree or two, you're gonna, you know, maybe either go up on your side or flip over. But most of the rapids are very forgiving. And on these commercial dories, you have your passengers, you have four passengers, so two in the front, two in the back. And if they're what they call high siding, so like, you know, if the left edge of the boat is riding up high, if everyone leans to that left side, you can go sideways through lava practically and be fine. Yeah. That's what's so cool about the dories. They're real, you know, the passengers are active. They're not just hanging out. That's huge. So, so your passenger, you're not going down there without, with some inexperienced passengers. You got good people in there. Yeah. Well, they're all inexperienced, but by, you know, the first, we train them the first couple of days and, um, they, they figure it out pretty quick. It's yeah. That we teach them how to high side and we teach, we, you know, you train everybody up in the first few days. So, um, yeah, you can start off knowing nothing and you'll be an expert by the time you get off. 
That's amazing. What is the, and I want to jump into a little bit of the step-by-step to doing the trip, but like the yeah. Grand Canyon, we all know it's an amazing, you know, national park, but take us, why, why would somebody want to do that river trip? Why is that so special? Why does it take so long years to get a permit there? What, what is it about for you? Like- oh yeah. Gosh, I could talk about that for hours. Um, number one, I mean, it's just, it's so dropped in gorgeous there. It's so beautiful. Um, it's, it's just like almost, I don't even have words. Just the lighting and the canyons and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like each day you're dropping into a different geological layer. Oh wow. So like, you know, one day you're in like this, you know, red supai sandstone it's all smooth and water fluted and red everything's red or something you know and then the next day you're in the like tapeat sandstone and it's these beautiful tan colors and like you just feel like you're in some psychedelic wonderland every day it's 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 so cool Wow. And you have a geologist on board that's telling you all about the history and dinosaurs and stuff. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. All the guides. That's the cool thing about a commercial trip is they kind of fill you in on oh. you know, the geology and stuff. Would you recommend if somebody's getting into that, would it be, I love, I would love doing this thing on my own, but would it be yeah. better just to do this story trip to go with, I'm not sure who the company is, but is that the better way to do it for your first time? Um, I, gosh, yeah. I mean... That's the way I did it the first time. I was a passenger on a commercial trip, and I was just in awe of the guides and how much they knew and how much they knew the river. You know, it'd be hard for you probably because you'd want to row. I know. Um, That's my struggle. But you would just, you might be over, you know, it might be worth it just for all the information and they could teach you how to row all the rapids and all that To stuff. do yeah. everything. That's what I would want. Mm-hmm. I think we got, and again, I'm kind of brainstorm as we go here, but I'm thinking, so yeah. tell me about this. This is what I'm really curious about. I've got two kids, two girls. They're amazing. They're totally outdoors and stuff. I mean, is nine and seven too young, 10 and eight? Oh, no, they're, they're good. I think that age is amazing. Really? What if they dump and they're swimming? Yeah. You know, you'd want to prepare them for that. Um, I think commercial trips... So kids go down. Seven and nine-year-old kids go down there. They go down. I think seven's the cutoff for commercial trips. But I think if you're doing it your own yourself, you know, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. But I don't know. I, I, that's, the, yeah. that's the problem with me is that I, I love... I mean, I love rowing yeah. and stuff, but I would be like, you know what? Do I want to... I always yeah. worry just even on the smaller stuff, taking the kids to the Deschutes. I mean, it, it was yeah. only couple yeah. of years I took him down. I was like, well, you know, do I want to take him through, uh, you know, white horse and stuff like that? Because I mean, I imagine just like, okay, it's likely I'm not going to flip, but if I do, are, are yeah. they going to be okay if they're swimming on their own? And I worry about that. Right. I would say it's a good thing to worry about. Yeah. Um, you know, they, you just, you'd get them the biggest, giantest or you know most flotation life jacket <laughs> that yeah, they make exactly. and uh and yeah we teach them you know like if you, you know if you really want them to go do this thing they absolutely can do it it just takes a little you know um extra care and make you know and just making sure they're comfortable it's a long trip yeah, two weeks. you know it's 14 to 18 days yeah uh-huh but kids usually love it so you can't do it any less than 14 you could, you could, if you were on a private trip, you could push it a little bit, but I don't think you'd really want to. No, it wouldn't be fun. I wouldn't want to. You'd be stressed, and <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would go if you actually get the chance to go. You want to maximize every hour you're there for sure. That's cool. Um, but yeah, you could take kids that age for sure, and if okay. you know if they've, I would you know 
take make sure they've been on a multi-day trip before and kind of know the routine and all that kind of stuff but yeah yeah they seven is seven's a go in my book um i would love to uh i mean they're on their way i just bought some new oars that are lighter so they could row the drift boat and i'm hoping that you know to be we're not too many years off where they're going to be rowing rowing down and and doing all that stuff Oh, that would be so incredible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah you I could, know. uh, yeah. And you know, and you don't necessarily have to do it in a dory. Like if you got the chance to go tomorrow, I would go in whatever oh, boat right. you could find, you, could you know, take a raft. like, yeah. And, yeah. uh, the dory trips we do, we always take rafts too. Um, yeah. For, for gear boats? For gear. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I got you. Is the dory, is it, yeah. if you pick between the dory and a big raft, uh, whatever your 16, 18 foot mm-hmm. raft. Is it safer? Is it? Are you less likely to flip in a raft, or is it just equal? Yeah, it is. Um, I did a, a trip with my brother um, a few years back, and so we were just a solo boat trip. And so I took an eighteen foot raft because I knew it was going to be basically impossible to flip that thing. And uh, being one boat, um, you know, it's just safer to take a raft. Um, it's, so a raft yeah. is better or yeah. safer? Yeah, it's safer. Okay. It's just going to flip less easily especially oh. weighted with all that gear you put all the gear as low as you can in the boat and i mean it's almost impossible to flip those things it depends on the water level but yeah gotcha so you don't have a big pile mm-hmm. of like gear behind you above Mm-mm. your head yeah yeah oh, you do right. if you know you're running the commercial trips and you got you know 16 passengers with two double bags each you know you got these giant piles i'm sure you've seen the pictures of those you know commercial rafts oh, yeah. um but if you're just doing a private trip you don't have that much gear at all and no, so no. okay just keep it all low and yeah i mean for sure and some people too um because the dories really are they're kind of like a sports car so or like a surfboard you know you're it's a much more exciting ride and some people don't love that you know some people are like oh i'd rather just hang out and look at birds and you know <laughs> lay on the raft and just you know look at the rocks and not worry about having to lean and and, you know, pay attention. That's so, right. Yeah, That's it's, right. everybody look, likes That's cool. a different, yeah. Are people down there, well, I got two two questions here. So if we were setting up a trip, mm-hmm. you know, you could go with, the first one would be, you know, who who you could go with then on the second thing, do it on your own. So if you were yeah. going with a company, are there, you know, who would you recommend? Is there a bunch of companies or is it just a few like key ones, whether it's Raft or Dory's? Yeah, there's a bunch of companies. Um, I can just speak for the companies that I've worked with. Um, so I've done some trips with a company called, um, it's colloquially called CanX, but it's Canyon Expeditions and Explorations. Um, and they're incredible. I think those are some of my favorite trips. Um, the, it's really the guides. Um so, and they just had really incredible guides that really cared that, you know, they they just, they really care about what kind of experience you're having down there. And they also have different kinds of trips. Yeah. Is this raft and stories? Yeah. So they're, well, Canex is, I think just rafts. I don't think they have any dories. Um, the company that's got the most dories is uh, Oars. And uh, my uncle just went down on a commercial trip with oars and it, he just can't stop talking about it it's just yeah. like he just thought it was the greatest thing on earth i think that's the way to do it yeah so they are great too um i've never worked on an oars trip but i've heard great things um azra has a couple dories and um i think i don't know brad dimmick used to do a couple trips with azra 
um, some Dory trips. I think they called it Dories and Stories. And so they had all the cool, like original, you know, Martin Boatman, and they would go down and tell you stories and, you know, um, take you down in Dory. So I, I don't know if they'll, they're still doing that trip, but that would be a good one to get on to. Um, but most of those companies are pretty good, but I, I would definitely say like Canex, Oars, and Azra are, have the best. Okay. So there's that. So you got that. We can definitely go there. If you want to do it on your own, and there's a whole bunch of logistics mm-hmm. to get to the river and stuff, but yeah. take us to once, like, say you get all that and you're doing your, uh, you know, I'm taking my, somehow I got a drift, a dory. It's all set yeah. up. We're doing this trip with a, a group. Um, what's that look like when you day, take us to like the night before and then, and then give us a little, like a quick rundown on the trip. Where are you writing? Yeah. Where are you putting in? Yeah. So you're putting in, um, in a place, um, the actual boat ramp is called Lee's Ferry. And so everybody gets there somehow. Um, and you camp there the night before? Yep. You got to get there the night before. And that's, I think a, it's a um, sort of a policy. So you, you have to be there the night before. Um, and the the rangers there kind of do a pre-check of all the people and all that kind of stuff. And then you camp um, or you could stay up um, at Marble Canyon Lodge, which is just up the road a little ways or uh, Vermilion Cliffs. And, uh, and then the next day you come down and meet with the ranger and they, they give you the thumbs up and you go down the river. Um, and you, you shuttle your vehicles, um, to either, uh, there's some logistics there. It sort of depends on what you guys are, are doing, but, um, there's usually a shuttle of some sort involved. Um, and, uh, yeah, on a private trip, like, yeah, the more prep you do, the better. And I would say for a private trip, the most important thing is to, to edit your participant list. <laughs> have the best. Um, just have the people you yeah. could go through, you know, just, you know, thick and thin. Yeah, that can handle. Yeah. And that are fun, too, you know, and just that's um, the, the only bad stories I've heard are times when they, you know, maybe... Um, we're worried they didn't have enough experience or something and hired some, you know, guide to come and they were just like a military person and mm. <laughs> took over the trip. Nightmare. And, yeah. So oh it's all about the people you're with. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So once you get going, once you put in, and let's say you said 14 to 18 days, yeah. let's just say you're doing the, like the 18 day trip. Uh, mm-hmm. what does that look like each? Are you floating? Uh, how many miles is total the total trip? So it depends on where you take out, but it's about, um, I think to Pierce Ferry, if I'm correct, it's around 270 miles. Oh, wow. Um, but you could take out earlier, um, at Diamond Creek. Um, I forget what the mileage is at Diamond Creek, but less. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a big chunk of miles, but if you were doing an 18 day trip, that leaves you enough, um, time in theory to have a couple layover days where, you know, you know what that is. Yeah. You just stay oh, yeah. where you're at. Yeah. And so that's Two pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and on a, especially a, even on a commercial trip, but a private trip, it's so nice to do that. And, you know, everybody can go off on their own adventure and stuff. And that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, on a 14 day, you can pull that off too. You just have to be a little bit more um, disciplined about getting off the beach in the morning at a certain time and okay. getting, getting your miles in. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Daddy Flies, established in 1928, is the oldest family-run fly shop in the world. 
And you know I'm all about the history and fly fishing, which is one reason I am super stoked to have Deddy on as a sponsor this year. Long before I made my first order with Deddy, I remember hearing stories about the quality and the history and always wanting to connect deeper with them. So that time has come now, and I share the Deddy tradition with you. Located in Livingston Manor on the banks of Willowemock Creek, Deddy is your welcoming place on the creek or online. Their retail and online shop have a large selection of flies, materials, fly gear, outdoor lifestyle items, books, and more. Deddy Fly's inventory consists solely of products that meet every angler's demand for highest quality and service. Of course, they offer fly fishing and casting lessons as well as guided trips. For more information, visit Deddy Flies at wetflyswing.com slash Deddy or give them a call 845-439-1166. That's wetflyswing.com slash Deddy, D-E-T-T-E. You support this podcast by clicking over through that link to Deddy. Okay, let's get back to the show. So when you put in at Lee's Ferry, you put in there, how how many miles, how many days do you go before you hit your first first big one that you've been thinking about the whole trip? Yeah, oh, quite a way. Well, I guess it depends <laughs> whether you're rowing a dory or not. Yeah, let's say a dory. Let's you're, say you're okay, a dory. so if you're rowing a dory, your first rapid that you might worry about or know to worry about, not that you really need to worry about it, but is um, uh, House Rock Rapid. Okay. And uh, so that you could hit that on your first day if you guys were really, actually, no, on a, well, it depends. On a private trip, probably not. We're talking 20 miles a day, right? Roughly. I would say less than that. It depends on the day. So some days where you're in a lot of current, like let's say you're running the, the Roaring Twenties rapids, you're going to make quite a few miles that day. But if you're on a big flat water section, you might only make like, I don't know, 11 miles or something like oh, that. Okay. So it's it depends on the day. But yeah, maybe it averages out to something like that. I'm not sure. I've never actually done the math, but um, yeah, you, you need to make some miles a day. Um, and you got to just fat, like if it's windy, you might make four miles or zero. Uh, right. Or, you know, it's just kind of depends. But um, you got some leeway in an 18-day trip at least. Um, but, uh, yeah, House Rock. So here's the, here's the one factor on a private trip that uh, you don't always know is that at least ferry, you have to get checked out by the rangers. And all the rangers, they're all a little bit different about how they go about it. And one of the private trips that I was on, the ranger just kept talking and would not release <laughs> the trips. And it was a, I was just going crazy because it's actually a safety factor. Like he, he didn't release the trips until about noon. Oh, wow. So that does not leave you very much time to get down the river to a, a camp. No. Um, so I actually wrote a, you know, wrote into the park system and just said, hey, you know, we gotta, we gotta do something about this. Then, uh, so, and I think they're they're better at it. Maybe he was a new new ranger. It would make sense to me to do it the night before, check everybody in the day before. That way, people can leave first thing in the morning. Yeah. That would be absolutely the best thing. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So because if you do want to run that house rock rapid on a private trip, sometimes it's pretty hard because you might leave pretty late in the day and it's not of your own volition, but the kind of the, the red tape that you got to go through. So, um, but you, you'd run that either that first day or the um, early the second day. 
And, uh, and it's, it's a little bit of a pucker factor cause it's the first one. It, it's not that, right. it's not that scary. It's not that hard, but it is, there's some factors in it and you, it's the first one. You're like, Oh my gosh. And it, and you can walk right down the entire rapid all the way. And so you can look at these waves in their actual dimensions and you're just like, Oh my goodness They're gracious. Big. <laughs> They're big. But, uh, so it's, you could scare yourself, but it's, <laughs> it's really, it's not that bad, but it's the first rapid that you actually have to make a move in. And, yeah. um, with right. the dories, the runs slightly different than the raft run. And so, yeah, that's the first one. And are most of these rapids where you have to make a couple of big moves or you could mm-hmm. be in trouble or is it more than just a couple? It's usually like one move. One. Yeah. It's, they're, they're really straightforward. Um, and with the dories, you're always, it always involves, you know, putting your boat in a position to avoid shallow underwater rocks usually. Oh, so you might right. have to hang out in the current a little bit more. Like for instance, on house rock, um, the first time I rode it in a baggage boat, I had this gigantic baggage boat that was just completely unmanageable. And they were just like, go row that boat into the rocks on the right, you know, just bang down the rocks, just oh, go wow. over all of these little pour overs and just, just that's the run, you know? And, huh. but obviously you're not going to do that in the dory. Whereas the dory, you're going to hang out in the main channel a little bit longer and oh, then yeah. make your move to the right um, and hopefully not run it, run it into the shallows. So, um, but yeah, it's like, that's one, one move. Yeah. And which one, and we're going to start to wrap this up pretty quick here, but I'm curious, um, as far as like, what is the big, is lava the biggest or what is the biggest couple rapid or couple? So for Dory's, um, maybe, yeah, lava's huge. Lava's kind of scares people cause it's a little bit of a roll of the dice, you know, it'll, it doesn't matter if you're the best boatman in the canyon. It might just flip your boat. So yeah, and why is that? Um, it's just there's a there's a wave about halfway down or so called the V wave, and um, you just basically as your boat goes into that wave, it's either going to let you through or it's not, and it has huh. nothing really to do with you know. I mean, you got to kind of get the right boat angle to have a chance, but, um, just sometimes it flips boats and sometimes it doesn't. And no I don't kidding. know. Yeah. It's so it's even if you've yeah. got the most skilled passengers on the boat. Oh, totally. You got, yeah. I mean, that's the, actually, that makes a huge difference. If you have people that know how to high side on your boat, that's, what's going to keep you upright in lava is your passengers. Um, I mean, you got to be in the right spot and you got to get your boat angle right but your passengers keep you upright in a dory so that one and it's cool because it's kind of at the end so it's this big you know build up to lava falls you know so so that one's pretty special Uh, but there's definitely rapids that scare the dory boatmen more than lava just because there's there's either rocks or there's just things that can go wrong i mean horn creek's kind of scary um and uh crystal rapids a little bit oh yeah you got to get that one just right and hans um that one's always freaks me out a little bit um mm. hans is a little bit of a challenge sometimes yeah so yeah there, there's a bunch of them that are pretty fun and i i, I get nervous in hans but and and then there's just rapids that are just so fun at all levels like like all the photos are probably of Hermit Rapid where it's okay. just like a big fun wave train and yeah. Is there a best uh, time if somebody's setting up a trip when would be a good time to go? Um 
my favorite times are April and September. Um, mm -hmm. uh, April, you get all the the spring wildflowers. Um, mm, the whole nice. desert is in bloom, and it's just drop dead gorgeous. Wow! But it, you're going to get a little bit of wind, and it's going to be a little cooler. Are you wearing dry suits and stuff like that in April? April, no, uh, -uh. Um, you're just wearing. You're going to have. It's still going to be mostly warm, but you're going to have a few cold rainy days probably where okay. you're just in we just wear like maybe a few uh, an extra layer and like our rain gear or something if you're running the rapids but we don't usually run dry suits um, okay. in april yeah uh, but you could yeah i mean bring it for sure um and then september is just beautiful because it's just ideal temperatures usually it's still quite warm but it's past the monsoon season so it's less rainy um you have a chance sometimes in September they the dam changes um, how they regulate the dam so it has a steady release so you're sometimes riding on um, 8,000 CFS continuously which the great thing about that is that um, so at night when you park your boat there's a fluctuation in the river level so you're right. always having to adjust your boat so you don't end up high and dry on the on the beach so when you're running on continuous current, it's great. You just fall asleep and wake up the next morning and you're good to go. But oh, right. um, so that's pretty nice when gotcha. you can hop on that. So Okay. So basically, so April or September and September is going to also be, uh, is it going to be a little bit hotter or about similar? Yeah. It's pretty hot in September usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you want the hot, if you're into the hot weather, then September is maybe the better time to yeah. go. And yeah. then, um, and then, so yeah, there's lots of planning. You mentioned a couple of companies that can get you going and it's pretty much, yeah. if you do it on your own, obviously there's a lot more work to do, but, uh, are there any, if somebody was going to do it on their own, where would you recommend they start from digging into getting prepared for it? Yeah. I mean, I'd say the first thing to do is get yourself in the Grand Canyon lottery so that you can win a ticket down there, <laughs> win the golden ticket. How long does that take? Yeah. Tell us that. What's the secret? How do you get a goal? How do you not wait 15 years? Uh, yeah. So th the only way that I know it, it really is a lottery. The first time my dad applied, he won. So, um, that was just, you know, so what is it like a hundred bucks to apply for the lottery? Um, I think it's not that much. I think it's, I don't know what it is. It's, it's under probably a hundred bucks, but then as soon as you win, you have to have your money ready. Um, and oh, your money. I think, yeah. So you, you have, have to, to pay. pay for a portion of it right away to kind of lock in that date, pay the national park service. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think, I don't know, I think it's called the Grand Canyon River Lottery. So just, you know, search that and make sure you're all signed up for it. Because it, it, sometimes it takes a while through those kind of government websites to get everything all set. But that lottery runs, I believe in, I have, gosh, now I'm forgetting. I think it's in February, but it might be January. So double check that. But yeah, um, so once that starts, you got to put your name in the hat with the dates that you want and, um, and then, uh, just be ready if you get your, okay. your ticket drawn. So that's the first step is just get signed up for the lottery. This, and then the second step would be maybe think about obviously start getting your passenger list or all the people that you want that you think you want and get them ready in case you win mm -hmm. and just, you know, that it's a possibility. And then, um, secondly, also think about, um, I, the most of the private trips that I do now, um, I actually uh, use a company called Seba, um, S or C 
E-I-B-A. And um, they're like an outfitting company. And so they just do everything for you. So you just show up at the put-in and they bring the boats, the food, the gear, everything. Oh, wow. So you can do a private trip. You can do your own private trip. They'll give you all the gear. Yeah. Even if it's, will they give you a dory? No, they won't give you a dory. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, maybe someday. But you could bring your own dory. You could bring, oh, for sure. You could bring your own boats. You can bring anything you want. Um, they'll just bring whatever else you need. And um, that's cool. That's it. That's oh. the resource we were looking for. So that yeah. one will Seba. get you dialed yeah. in. If you want to do your own, get your trip, call Saba. Yeah. And there's a bunch of other companies that do it. I've just had the best luck with them. They've just done a better job than other companies just for our trips, but there's other companies that do a great job too. Okay, so, cool. um, but there, and you know, really there's not a huge cost difference by the time, you know, you add it all up. It's, it's about, you know, it's a little bit more to have a company like that do it, but not, not by much. What, what is that? So is this roughly like if you were to do a Grand Canyon trip, whether yeah. you pay a company, what, what are we looking at just roughly price-wise? So price-wise, so I have not done a private trip in about four years. So these this, these numbers are old. So when we did it ourselves, where we shopped for all the food and gathered mm -hmm. the gear and all that stuff, I think it worked out to about $700 per person. Oh, wow. And so if you're hiring That's a company amazing. like, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. But we're bringing our own boats. We're bringing our own river gear, all the stoves and all the units and all that. It's mostly mostly food and and beer. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah. So you can't take beer, so there's room for beer. Oh, yeah. There's there's always more room for the beer. Yeah. It's not just, uh, yeah, like the trips yeah. where you're like, okay, you can only take a little hard alcohol because you're, you're running low on room. It is shocking the <laughs> amount of like cases of beer piled up at Lee's Ferry. That's uh, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. People bring the most hilarious things out the trip. There we bring like bags of costumes and, you know, just totally unnecessary things. That's cool. So there, I always think of this thing like, what's your, you know, when you're hiking, you can bring one, you know, your one luxury oh, right. item. But, but this is not oh, like yeah. that. You got plenty oh, of no. You're bringing the kitchen sink for sure on oh, wow. these trips. Yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, bring it, you know. It's it's crazy what what you can pack into these dories and eighteen foot rafts for sure. You're if you're bringing your little sixteen footer, you you're not gonna want to pack it that yeah. that full. But um, right. you'll have a you'll have a, a baggage boat. So, um, but uh, yeah. So these uh, let's see. So oh, costs. Um, yeah, I think Saba was like a thousand bucks a person, maybe. Oh wow. So, but that's like all the gear. That's I mean, amazing. it's maybe different now because sure. of quite yeah, a few years. Things that. have changed. Yeah, yeah, it could be. But uh, but like a commercial dory trip, you're going to pay, you know, I mean, with you have the guides and everything. But I mean, it's going to be at least four grand probably per person to go on a commercial dory trip. Yeah. So if you got a, if you got a family, it's going to yeah. cost you 15 grand or something like that. Yeah. At least. Yeah. I mean, I would say... It's worth it. I mean, it was the best money I'd ever... I'd, when I went, I'd never spent that much money on a trip. I think our trip, I mean, it was a long time ago, but it, I think it was about two grand when I went. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like I've never spent this much money on, you know, luxury ever in my life. And it was the best money I'd ever spent. I, it changed my life. So... That sounds... I mean, 4,000 is like, that's your... Really, when you think of, well, I always think fly fishing. Obviously, a lot of people here are fly yeah. fishermen and women. And, uh, you know, you go to these trips out there, these lodges or whatever. I mean, 4000 is a good price, you know. Some oh, of those are really? 10, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's spendy. Ooh, yeah. Well, if you do the lodges, yeah, I, I, I'm more on the DIY. It. I like the DIY stuff, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, if you do DIY on the Canyon, yeah, it's probably going to be in the, I would think about a thousand dollar range per person. Um, okay, cool. So, and that's probably including the park fees and all that kind of stuff. Let's, uh, we've left a lot on the table here, but maybe we could save this, to get you on again down the line to dig more into the trip. I'm just curious yeah. as we kind of wrap this up, you've, you've heard a lot of stories. You want to leave us with one story. Maybe it's your own, or maybe it's one you hear of, you know, I don't know if it's uh, Linton or one of those. What do you, is there oh, a man. good one that, yeah. Well, since we're talking about private trips, I'll, so I'll give you a private trip story. So uh, I was on a private trip with a bunch of guides and so when you go down the canyon, uh, you're kind of always, there's going to be, you're going to launch with maybe two or three other trips. So you're oh, going to always kind of see the, the same group here and there. Gotcha. You kind of overlap. One day you'll pass them, one day they'll pass you, and you just kind of see them. And so we were, there was another group that launched with us, and it was a group, a DIY trip from Montana. And it was a bunch of guys that had gone to college together, and they were now like in their 50s. And it was like, and they were like the nicest, coolest people. And they all each had their own boat. And, um, you know, and it was just a smorgasbord of gear and boats. And, uh, and like every day we saw them and like something had happened, you know, like, like, oh, uh, you know, like they'd have like a bandage around their head or something, oh, wow. and, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, we lost Frank in that last rabbit. He, you know, hit his head. Oh, he's fine though. He's fine. And they, right. every day there was just absolute carnage, but they were having the best time of their lives. Wow. They actually lost a boat. Oh, wow. They ran out of oars. We had to loan them an oar because Holy they had cow. lost so many oars and you take two spares. So oh, wow. I mean, it was just, we, when we saw them, they were like bandaged up, they had arms and slings that and they amazing. were in heaven. They were, they were so happy. It. Yeah. So there That's you go. Perfect. Like, yeah. I mean, you can't, if you get the chance to go, you just go. Like, there you go. Ideally in a dory, but man, if it's got to be on a Paco pad, go on a Paco pad. Like, go on a yeah. Paco pad, go yeah. on whatever you have. This mm -hmm. is cool. Nice. All right. Well, yeah. uh, anything you mentioned, uh, the uh, the zip dory, anything uh, you want to give a heads up on the next uh, kind of year you have coming that you, we, people, uh, this podcast is going to be out there for a while. So anything new coming up for you? Um, yeah, I'm just kind of working on that boat kit and, you know, it's, it's not really a product yet, but if people are interested, I'm happy to try to figure out a way to get them a kit and, or get them some CNC files so that they can build their own boat. Um, but I'd say, yeah, just build boats and go down the river and yeah, I mean, and I'm not, you know, obviously the only boat builder, Brad Dimmick's building them and Andy's building them and yeah, so there's lots of options there, but yeah, for your boat, I would say, man, deck that boat over and <laughs> I'm happy to help you. And yeah. Exactly. Maybe we can talk yeah. more about that. I, I yeah, yeah, this whole thing, I would love to have you, if you had time to just look at it and be like, is this thing oh, sure. uh, even worth putting decking over? Because like, again, and I probably want to maybe surround it in fiberglass as well, right? Yeah. It kind of depends on the shape of the wood, what kind of it's in, but, um, yeah, we could kind of play with the costs and see, sometimes it's yeah. just faster and easier to just build a new one, but build a um, new boat. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, right. But it depends on what yeah. shape the boat's in and stuff, but yeah, you send me some photos and we'll, okay. we can kind of brainstorm it. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll yeah. send you some pics and you can take a look in the, and, uh, yeah, we'll go from there and, uh, yeah, Kelly, we'll definitely, uh, I would love to talk more about the boat building. You know, we kind of touched on the surface of that and some of the stuff, but we got, so I'll put some videos in the show notes and things like that. Uh, anything else before we get out of here, you want to leave off any words of advice on the Canyon? 
No, just uh, thanks for having me and uh, fun talking to you and fun to get psyched on the river during the wintertime here as we chat. So yeah, um, no, just thanks for having me. All right, Kelly, we'll check in with you soon and uh, let you know when this thing goes live. Okay, sounds good. All right, thanks, Dave. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes, all links, everything else we covered today, head over to wetflyswing.com slash 278. That is 278. Please subscribe if you get a chance to this show. You can do that very easily by going to wetflyswing.com slash subscribe. And before we head out of here, I wanted to uh, give you a heads up. We have a superstar, uh, super cool dude, super cool episode uh, this Tuesday. Tim Flagler, the guy behind the uh, massive YouTube fly tying channel uh, video production. We get in a bunch of great stuff in this one, including his background and how he put together such um, amazing high quality videos. Uh, click subscribe right now and uh, whatever app you're using if it's apple podcast the upper uh, right corner that little plus sign follow and you'll get updated when this uh, big episode goes live plus tim shares some of his uh, top flies and top videos gives us a little list there that you're gonna love some flies and tips mostly the tips that i think you're gonna love so check it out that's all i have for you today uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Looking forward to catching up with you soon. Maybe see you online, maybe on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.